this is the fight of our lives. We know what we need to do. When you're creating uh, walkable, bikeable, transit-friendly areas, they are nicer to live in. They create community. They help local businesses and retail that's kind of dying in this country. But we're so culturally conditioned, especially in Los Angeles, to just accept the car as the way everything has to be. That it just takes so much imagination to break from that. They're widening Magnolia, and they're trying to add one more lane. They actually widened the first half of the street. They took seven feet of sidewalk away on the south side of the street. I don't know why they didn't have the funding to just finish driving the stake through the heart of the the (laughs) neighborhood at that point. You know, they took out a lot of mature street trees. So they're taking away trees, and they're taking away sidewalk. And who are these people? Uh, <laughs> the LA Bureau of Engineering. They just don't give a crap about pedestrians. There's a section uh, that is clearly copied and pasted. It makes you wonder like, how seriously they took the study. These agencies are so massive and bureaucratic, and they start to just phone it in, probably. If we're going to end up losing, I'm going to go down making as much noise as I can about <laughs> this project and making sure that everybody knows this neighborhood council and the people in the community around it don't want it. Bike Talk, KPFK. Here we are. We have um, myself, Don Ward, and uh, Nick Richard, co-hosts of Bike Talk. Hey. How you doing, Nick? Good. Good. Doing good. And um, we have also in the studio, James Askew. I, did I say that right? Uh, it's Askew, but Askew. I'll answer to either. Okay. And James, you are with the uh, North Hollywood Neighborhood Council. Uh, yes, with the NoHo Neighborhood Council, our president gets very testy if it's the North Hollywood Neighborhood Council. So we are officially NoHo Neighborhood Council. Really? <clears throat> yeah. What? 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 <laughs> That's just our official name, and it differentiates us from the other. There are th- uh, three neighborhood councils that serve the area, so the other two are North Hollywood Northeast and North Hollywood West, and we're just NoHo. Wow. Hmm. Okay. No, West, East, and you guys are... Technically, what, north? We serve, uh, our service area covers basically from Victory Boulevard south to uh, the 134, um, basically east to Cahuenga, and basically west to the 170. There's some little dog legs here and there, but that's basically our service area. So this whole, the whole project that we're going to discuss tonight is within our service area. Okay. The project being the? The Magnolia widening, but we're going to talk to... We're going to talk about that after we get Megan Sally Wells, Culver City Mayor, on the phone. All right. Hello. Megan. Hello. It's Bike Talk. Hey, how are you? Good. It's your favorite pals. <laughs> <laughs> We're back. How are you doing? Good. Great. How are you? All right. All right. Happy it's Friday. Yeah, you are we taking you from your happy hour or anything? I mean, I know um, we, we are, but thank it's, you. It's I the say thank you know you. nobody's here yet. It starts at six, so we're okay. good. And then we're um, we're gonna go to uh, there's this event at the um, Natural History Museum. The French consulate organizes these things called like the Night of Ideas, and so mm. we get to go. Um, to the Natural History Museum and like listen to 
talks and DJs, and it's going to be pretty cool. That sounds pretty cool. Can yeah. I just say that? Okay, so you lived in in France for years, right? Yeah, I was in Paris for let's see, nine years, and uh, I did the study abroad program when I was a junior in in at UCLA, and um, in Toulouse, and I basically didn't come back for fourteen years. So that's inclusive of Paris and altogether many happy years abroad. And what do you think of the new bike network in Paris? I, I need to go see it. I need to go see it and be jealous and bring it here. <laughs> I was just reading about the plan and it's, it's like, I mean, it's exactly taking the climate crisis as seriously as it needs to be taken. And I think it's going to just add a, a, a ton of quality of life um, in a in a kind of a congested place. I mean, Paris and, and France in general, you know, there's a lot of like diesel vehicles. Um, it, cities end up spending a ton of money to restore monuments because of the soot. And huh. so it's not like this, it's this great air quality place. Um, and, and so you see the effects of, you know, polluting cars everywhere. And, and to take this stance to reduce that, I think is, is outstanding mm-hmm. and inspiring. And you're a mayor, and Anne Hidalgo is a mayor, and you know for, she had so much to do. Do you want to speak on that? The the mayor wasn't she, was she one of the climate mayors, and and she gave up her title. How and do you know how that works? Oh, uh, that detail I don't know. I think one of the fundamental differences um, between a place like Paris and uh, you know, a city within Los Angeles County is that with, first of all, Paris is super dense. And it's like, I, my husband and I were comparing maps um, just a moment ago. And basically, like the whole footprint of Paris fits in the west side of Los Angeles. So, I mean, just scale is, is completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the other thing is that is, you know, we've got all of these little independent cities yeah. um, and and Los Angeles kind of threads throughout it. And so, like, we have Culver City has its own bus system. L.A. has, you know, the metro. Santa Monica has its bus. We're we're really not only. Um, are are we really sprawly and huge <laughs> but um but but we're also different agencies trying to work together and so you don't get you know if if i were to bring paris to culver city which would be outstanding um it would cover five square miles <laughs> and then how do you connect up to our our neighbors i think is the you know, part part of the challenge. I'm sorry. And then that? there's a yeah. political. Sorry, go ahead. Well, just the five square miles part. Like Paris isn't five square miles, is it? No, but Culver City is. Oh yeah. Yeah, Culver, Culver City City's is small. is relatively small in you know in the greater scheme of things. Hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go. On, you were saying. You were going on to make. Um. Point. 
But so then was it, it would be relatively easy to make, you know, an, an whatever Paris is doing in Culver City then. I mean, I, I don't know. Of course not. But I'm just saying that. <laughs> I mean, the streets are already laid out. The streets in Culver City are uh, streets everywhere are laid out. So we have either sprawly development, density, freeways coming through. So Culver City has a little of everything, right, Megan? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. I, I honestly, I I struggle with this because it's it's taken a lot longer to do a lot of the things that I've set out to do than mm-hmm. than I than I had hoped, mm-hmm. and um, I like I don't have all the protected bike lanes that I want, and I don't. It, it's taken a long time to do. Um, not enough. <laughs> but they only they only give you a year. The sad truth. They're only going to give you a and, year, right? And, Isn't it a year that you're yeah, mayor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know when I was first elected in 2012, it was a very different council, and I was mm. one progressive of five mm-hmm. council members. Mm. And so it's it's taken a while to kind of build leadership that um that I think aligns with um with a lot of what a, a lot of residents are asking for which is to you know be able to access um our city without being dependent on uh you know on on cars mm-hmm. and to have a future on this planet, you know, a lot of good things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's been, it's been slow going and in, in kind of changing the culture and changing the conversation. And I'll, I'll just give you a quick example. And I, I, I don't mean for this to sound like an excuse. It's just to kind of illustrate some of the challenges, even when you are mayor, like the fact is you don't really get a magic wand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, on Monday, we're going to be voting on a, a, a two-way protected cycle track, which is part of a safe routes to school program um, that would help uh, one of our elementary schools, the students in one of our elementary schools, um, to, to get safely to school. It's only a couple of blocks long. It's on an incredibly wide uh, residential street hmm. uh, where residents, complain about you know there's too much traffic there's you know a lot of cut through traffic it's not safe etc but there's also equally a lot of pushback about um, putting in cycle infrastructure to ensure that children can get to school safely uh, what street is it (laughs) it's it's on alenda and it's between washington boulevard and culver boulevard Culver Boulevard, for those who are familiar with it, right in that area, has this outstanding. Um, what is it? It's a. It's it's more than a bike lane. It's like a whole bike network network that goes down. That's protected. That goes down Culver Boulevard from Alanda, all the way down. Oof! It goes through L.A. and and heads toward. Um, uh, heads toward uh, the ocean mm-hmm. and, and stops. Uh, gosh, it's, I should know the street by heart. 
it stops at Braddock because Braddock kind of turns back into maybe it would be like McConnell or something. Anyway, it goes pretty far west and gets you, you know, very close to um, uh, where the Biona wetlands are. Mm-hmm. And it's this outstanding, you know, greenway. It's kind of like a linear park with with a with a great um, uh, bike lane on it. Anyway, that's that's the one. It, did it's that a used connector. to be? It's a huge connector. That was like a rails to trails, right? At, at one point or something like that, and it ends at Ronnie's Diner over there by uh, McConnell. No. It is McCon. Is that Ronnie's in it? I'm not familiar with that. I'm sorry, mm. but that that sounds right, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then you then you turn left and head up to the to the Biona Creek path from there because Culver gets yeah. pretty hairy. Yeah. So you're saying you just yes. push back even when people are complaining about the street, kids use it to get to elementary school. It's extra wide. It's very short. And you can. And it's fully paid for with grant money. <laughs> it's wow. Like, it's and there's still like huge pushback from, you know, from from neighbors who just, you know, I it, it, it's hard. It's hard to stay it, em, em, empathetic. It's hard. Change is hard. <laughs> um, mm. But I would argue that the status quo is even worse. <laughs> so, mm. so at, at a certain moment, you just need to, you know, make a decision. And, and this is a project that I've supported, you know, since it was first introduced years ago um, when it was just conceptual. And, and we, you know, agreed to go forward with the grant, et cetera. Anyway, I, you know, all of this is to say is that um, there can be for even very simple um uh, solutions there can be an incredible amount of pushback and um, I feel that when you are elected you have to be able to see the big picture and 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 move continue to move forward um, when you know what you're doing is you know serving your community in in the best possible way mm. and that takes courage and it takes time and it takes money and it takes priority and and i think what's happened in culver city over the last at least the last um seven years that i've been in office is is kind of a culture shift mm-hmm. and you know if you're if you're steering a boat you know that you know <laughs> it takes a little time mm-hmm. <laughs> right so that's what we're doing so hey, have you, to shift gears a little bit. Have you heard of the announcement what the city wants to do with Hollywood Boulevard, which we talked about in another show? How they want to? I saw kind of like the official one, but I'm dismayed that it still includes cars. Mm, like I yeah. don't understand why cars would be a part of the that plan because they ruin everything <laughs> in my opinion. I mean, like the access on that street is. Um, I don't know. I I feel like they close it down so often that they they found solutions without cars, and so why not make that permanent? And it's um it's a pretty short distance, isn't it? Something like La Brea to Highland or something like that, or is it longer? Yeah. 
I, I, I just saw renderings. I, I didn't really study it, so mm. I, I couldn't tell you the details. They well, haven't, they haven't committed to anything yet. They're just exploring. But this is, but it's a, you could, okay, to be on the, if you were going to be positive and optimistic, you might say it's a foot in the door, you know, and it's part of this move, mm-hmm. this wave of the same thing that's happening in all these different cities. Mm-hmm. Right. I think the really exciting news is Market Street in right. in San Francisco. Yeah, that needed um, to be car free. That was um, yeah. a wild little ride last time I was it's, on it. that that hopefully that will be um inspiring to others to 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 be able to do and i i just have to say um uh not too long ago um just around the holidays in culver city we were able to um open up the our our newly expanded town plaza which is right next to the Culver Hotel. Um, there's a, a development, a new development there that's called The Steps. It's right in front of the historic um, Culver Studios. And um, we did like this big like holiday tree lighting event that was packed, like mm. super successful, beautiful community event. That yeah. area of the town plaza as as you pointed out the last time we spoke, used to be a street. <laughs> that used to be a street. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so when I addressed this like amazing crowd, a ton of kids, like it was like and and really all ages to come celebrate this you know holiday tree lighting, um, I I said like, hey, this used to be a street. And then after that, for years, it was like parking. <laughs> now look at it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't this better? <laughs> And and it's funny because like it, you kind of have to see it to believe it. And every time we give proof of concept, like they're doing in San Francisco with Market Street, uh, or we're doing in a very small scale in Culver City on you know in our town plaza, and we're kind of reclaiming these spaces as public spaces for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think we we move the we need we move the argument forward, and we kind of show folks that you know uh, 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 that the car isn't necessarily making our lives better, right? And and in fact, is making in many cases our lives worse. And mm-hmm. so I, I think we need more examples, and we need to you know do as much as we possibly can um, because. I mean, not only is it better public space and open space, um, but but ultimately, you know, this is the this is <laughs> this is the fight of our lives. We've got ten years to dramatically change our ways, uh, or the uh, climate change uh, is becomes irreparable to our way of life, you know, to our livelihoods, to our, to, to society as we know it. Um, and the number one cause of uh, greenhouse gas emissions is comes from the transportation sector. So it's like, we know what we need to do. And not only do we know the science of what we need to do, but 
when you're creating uh, walkable, bikeable, transit-friendly um, areas, they also are nicer to live in. They create community. They help yeah. local businesses and retail that's kind of dying in this country. And, it, it, you know, there are just so many positives, but we're so culturally conditioned uh, especially in Los Angeles, to, to you know, just accept the car as the the way everything has to be. That we're it, it just takes so much imagination to to break from that, and and it's and it's hard, you know. But we got to do it. So there we go. Well, thank you, Mayor Megan, for spending part of your Friday evening with us. I know it's a big family tradition for you, and. Uh, to do something fun. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. And oh, my personal big news, though, I'll just share real quickly is that um, uh, about two weeks ago, I bought an electric bike. Oh, and Ooh. it is a total game changer. And I, I already biked a lot, but now it's yeah. like, that's it. I'm mm. just not getting in a car again. Huh. You know? Yeah, you, you can go as fast as traffic <laughs> with those. I I used to uh, I used to poo poo the e bikes, but now that I've seen them working, you, I mean, you can go as fast as traffic. That's what LA needs. We need people getting out of cars and getting onto smaller vehicles, and the e bike exactly. seems like a great yeah. So yeah. you. You're faster than cars because cars are in traffic. Yeah. And oh, that's true. Right yeah. You, them. you filter right through all yeah. the. Yep. All right. Well, yeah, what, it's what, a beautiful feeling. What so, what, uh, what model? What what brand? Uh, well, I. Should <laughs> you say? I, mean, I, I totally splurged. <laughs> oh. And I got um, I got from the, you know, they have a bike hub in Culver City that's connected with the um, Santa Monica Bike Center. Mm -hmm. And so from them, I ordered a um, the newest Gazelle. Hmm. And it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> oh I have not goodness. heard of that. Though. Well, I bet, it's, cheap. I bet <laughs> yeah. it's cheaper than a car. Probably about, oh, what, three yeah. grand? No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, no, not even, not even close. So yeah, and and it's it's just it, it's fantastic. Like all the grocery shopping, all uphills, every meeting, like it's it's amazing. And they say you get the same amount of exercise. You're just going faster and farther. Yeah, hmm. yeah. You you just don't have that like oh you know I don't have enough time to take my bike or. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like a little bit too far because I'm I'm not like this long distance rider. I'm not a super sporty person. I just bike all the time because I prefer it. Mm -hmm. um, but this just like takes away any excuse I would have to um, go any other way. That's awesome. I'm waiting for electric robot suits so that I don't have to get an electric <laughs> bike. And then you could have just, a regular bike. It'll just power my thighs with electricity <laughs> and I'll... <laughs> be able to pedal first. You'll never have to move again. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, thank you, Thanks, Megan, once Megan. again for coming on. Um, we're surprised that that you want to come back, you know, the mayor I'm of not surprised. <laughs> After all the 
hijinks and yeah, no. Okay. No, so. Megan's building, helping to build this I into know. the, the we love you. launching pad. I'm a true ber- believer. Yes, so. you are. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, LA City Mayor election, right? We got to yeah, get you right. moved Me? into LA. Oh, no, I'm not moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Culver City is kind of a little paradise type city. It's pretty cool. We're, yeah. we're doing okay. We're yeah. doing what we can. I like all the little all cities right. around. All right. Good night. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Good talking to you. you bye bye. Bye. All right. And there's that Google sound. Um, cool. That was that was um, uplifting. What can we talk about to put us into a dire mood? Oh, the widening of Magnolia Boulevard. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. With James Askew. What's your title with the NoHo Neighborhood <coughs> Council? Uh, I'm the community interest representative, and I am also the treasurer for NoHo Neighborhood Council. The community interest representative. representative doing yes. your job. Huh. Okay. That, that's what I think. <laughs> and how does what is that job? Tell us how does this work? Um, well, I don't know how much you guys know about the neighborhood council system. Uh, basically, we're unpaid elected officials. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, my job is to, as a community interest representative, sort of think about the interests of the community of that we represent as a, as a whole mm-hmm. and represent them to the board. Um, we also have. Uh, districts. So we have four districts, which have a business rep, and at, two at-large reps, and a uh, residential representative. We have representatives for the uh, arts organizations. We have representatives for religious organization. We have a, a student a youth empowerment representative. Um, so we have a lot of, we have about, I think, don't quote me on this, either 21 or 23 people total on our council. Wow. What board did you, are you, do you mean when you said we report to the board? Oh, the, uh, well, the neighborhood council board. There's the a neighborhood council board. board. Well, we, I, I'm, I'm also the chair of the planning and land use committee. Mm. And then we would actually, I kind of interchangeably use the word council and board um, when I talk about the full council, the full 23 person council. This yeah, I was, a, I was the neighborhood council. No, um, the, the, the neighborhood council. So the, the, the structures would sort of be for how something would go up the chain would be it would start in, in a committee mm-hmm. it would go to the neighborhood council and then the neighborhood council would bring it up with Krikorian's office and then hopefully get that's address your there. city council member that's Krikorian. our city council member yeah and well, cd2 i'm sorry don what were you saying no that was that's the beauty of the neighborhood council system is that you do have better access to the council member than if you're just a regular citizen i would hope it mm-hmm. yes that is absolutely true <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I was a neighborhood councilman for uh, Northridge West. I was chair of the Plum Committee. Oh, cool. As part of a battle to win some bike lanes out there. And which you did. Which we did. And uh, we had access to the council member, and um, he was really annoyed by all of our activism. <laughs> but we got it done. And then he moved his office. The office was right on the street where the bike lanes happened, and wow. he was... Who was your council person? Englander. Yeah, who's gone? Now he's gone, and we're trying to get Lorraine Lundquist in there. And have you been uh, canvassing? I've been canvassing, yeah, three days a week. Right on. And she's going to be against a a Republican uh, in the March 3 election. And is that – she's going to win that one, right? I mean, there's no doubt, no possible doubt about that. It's very tough to beat an incumbent, even one that's only been in there for – six to eight months but everybody on my facebook feed (laughs) 
But the, uh, I mean, the upshot is I, there's not a third candidate in that race, right? Right. So, so there won't, they're, they're, one of them's going to win in March 3rd. Yeah. And there's no Republican on the uh, on the presidential ba- primary ballot, but there are a lot of Democrats on that presidential primary ballot. Did they? Uh, they're not going to do a Republican primary, huh? Who's there's? I don't think anybody's running against uh, the, the president. The guy. Don't say his name. Don't yeah, the president. No, don't He's even not say even that. The don't even say that. <laughs> Individual number one. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, Wait, then, so then she has a good shot. So. That's that's, good. that's the that's Although, the conventional wisdom is I, that since there's so since there's going to be a very contested Democratic primary, um, there will be a lot of people who are naturally inclined to vote for her, and uh, you know, touch wood, they don't split their ballots. And she's yeah. a cyclist and an environmentalist, and a council member has a lot of power in the city. Yeah, yeah it'd be great to get her on. So we're working. Again, we need more help. We need more volunteers. Teams. Where you been at, Nick? <laughs> Not my district. <laughs> This Los Angeles, baby. All right, I'll, I will come out. It's the city council seat. <laughs> I'll be there. Okay, it's very that. powerful. So, so back to Magnolia. So, yes. So as you were, you were the, uh, you are the chair of the Plum Committee now. Uh, yeah. Okay, so Magnolia would come under that, like authority. Yeah, it, since we call it planning, since ours is a uh, land use and transportation, mm-hmm. um, it definitely came under my purview mm-hmm. and. We had a nice discussion about it in the committee, um, and we voted to uh, we we voted to write this letter, brought it to the full council, and then uh, the full council supported writing it unanimously. Wow! What did you think when you heard about no. the proposal? Yeah. What did I I thought it was bonkers. Um, you know, I just like absolutely enraged me. Why? Um, you know, first of all, North Hollywood. You know, NoHo is a community that's like has it's we're scaling so much around density. Um, we're talking about building the uh, metro, building up the metro properties. They're going to have a lot of new high rises with a lot of affordable housing, twenty percent affordable housing, if I remember correctly. Um, NoHo is gr- really an interesting area. Yeah. yeah, is this that like anywhere? Is this on that main strip in that? Area or the widening, the widening that they're talking about is between Coenga and Vineland. So if you know where the Ralphs is, that's on the corner of Vineland, um, and then there's like a Walgreens across the street. That's where it would go to, and then it would go all the way over to where, um, you know, Coenga is. Uh, there's a gas station there and a Seven Eleven in a strip mall, okay. and then a couple blocks east is. Is the city of Burbank right? But then, um, directly west from this, uh, from where they want to widen this right now, is sort of the main, what you would consider the Magnolia Business District, I guess. Right. Where there's all the restaurants and all the bars, theaters. Yes, the theaters that are still there. So they're they're widening Magnolia to be right now. It's a one lane in one direction, two lanes in the opposite direction, and a center turn lane. Right. Right. And they're trying to add one more lane. Right. So they're going to reduce the sidewalk width. That is correct. See, that's just that's just rage. Rage, and, rage inducing. Rage and the, inducing. You know, and the interesting thing is if you look back, um, you know, I, I moved to, to L.A. from New York in 2012. But in 2011, um, they actually widened the first half of the street. So they widened. They took seven feet of sidewalk away on the south side of the street. And that's why you have those two lanes uh, heading westbound into, you know, the rest of the city away from Burbank and then only one lane going the other direction. I, 
I don't know why they didn't have the funding to just, you know, finish driving the stake through the heart of the, the neighborhood <laughs> at that point, but mm-hmm. they didn't. And, um, you know, and our experience with that uh, has informed a lot of a lot of people's opposition to the project as well. You know, people who lived in the area at the time who were dealing with construction as they were widening the street. Um, you know, ironically, the traffic delays caused by moving everything down to basically one lane in each direction with no turn lane, uh, disruption of businesses. And then the, um, you know, they took out a lot of mature street trees and they replaced them Ugh. and they, uh, you know, they, and they, and they held up their end of the bargain. You know, every, every project, we will replace them with new trees. You're, you're going to get more trees. We'll maintain them for one year. And then that one year expired and nobody was there to keep maintaining them. So you can take a look at the south side of Magnolia right now and see the street trees are in not great shape between the drought and the lack of maintenance. And what, what kind of trees did they replace? Were they full-grown shady trees? Um, there, there was a mix. There were some full-grown shady trees. There were some that were kind of scraggly, mm-hmm. but they, you know they were there. Mm-hmm. They were there were some good ones that were that were taken out. So they're taking away trees. They're they're replacing them with speed mm-hmm. and cars, and they're taking away sidewalk. And who are these people? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the project, the lead agency on the project is the bureau, the LA Bureau of Engineering. And they are just evil people. <laughs> well, they, wait a second. Hold on. In, in your post on Facebook, you said crazy. Now, can you be? <laughs> isn't it one or the other? Do you, aren't you legally? I'm, I don't pay attention to my posts on Facebook. Oh. No, but in the in the Hyperion Bridge um, battle, they were the lead agency, and they're taking out a you know eighty eight, eighty ninety year old sidewalk on one side of the bridge. And making people walk an extra half mile to get to the other side to cross the bridge. That's how evil the Bureau of Engineering is. They just don't give a crap about pedestrians. And I, th- I like, you never hear about them. You hear about LEDOT, right? right? Mm-hmm. Well, who, like, when do they step in? When nobody's looking? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, they, again, they were the agency that sent out the... Uh, the first uh, draft study, and by the way, I forgot to say, um, I'm uh, obliged to say this, that while I'm here discussing the letter that the NoHo Neighborhood Council wrote, uh, my opinions don't necessarily reflect those of the NoHo Neighborhood Council. So I just have to put that out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can copy-paste that to the beginning of the conversation. <laughs> you don't have to, but you can. <laughs> speaking, speaking of the phrase copy and paste, that has a resonance for me, having read your neighborhood council's letter to the Bureau of Engineers. Can you tell us what you found? Yeah. So in the initial report, in the first draft uh, draft negative declaration, there's a section uh, that is clearly copied and pasted from another project w- uh, that took place on Magnolia Boulevard. We believe, because uh, there's no way to fully fully confirm it, but we believe it was the, um, the pedestrian bridge that connected the uh, private school that's on the other side of the, of the 170 for Magnolia. You know, mm-hmm. there's a little- Oakwood. A, Oakwood, thank yeah. you. I couldn't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But they, uh, there's a section of the report where they talk about um, how the bridge that we're building across uh, Magnolia Boulevard will not have any adverse uh, environmental impacts, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, I, I missed it the first time I went through the report and somebody else, when I was uh, griping about it, flagged it and was just like, did, did anybody notice this? Cause <laughs> I don't see any bridge associated with this project. Ah. So that was, um, that really, 
that's really stuck in my craw personally that I, it makes me feel like somebody at BOE took that report and then just was like, let's just uh, copy and paste as much of it as we can into this report. And, you know, there's no evidence. There's no way I can prove that. But it, mm. you see that in there and it makes you wonder, like, how seriously they took the, the study. So right, it, they it, don't. It, maybe it's like a culture of them not thinking anybody's paying attention. I mean, I think that could be it. Um, you know, well, our, these agencies are so um, they're they're there. They're so massive and bureaucratic, and they're there for decades. The people that work in these agencies, and they just almost don't give a crap because you got a politician who's coming in for four years or whatever. That's you know they can say whatever they want, but the agency continues to do its work over decades. The people in there are there. And they start to just phone it in, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, and to be fair, it could have been an innocent mistake where someone's like, I'm just copying and pasting the language I need from report to report, and they could have messed it up. But, you know, again, we don't know that. We have no insight into it. And when I raised it in, um, so the first, for the draft report, I actually wrote a letter personally. I didn't uh, engage the neighborhood council on it directly. I just wrote it under my own name. And, you know, and I, I raised that issue and their response uh, to the letter, which is available online in the final report, was just to basically say, oh, yeah, we've changed that to read this now. <laughs> you know, no, no, like acknowledgement of like, yeah, we messed that up or anything. Just uh, just sort of like th- that solves it mm. in the. So you wrote the personal letter and then there was. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at these talking points now. Yes, it's, that's from the second letter from the whole. Neighborhood Council. Well, the, yeah, the second letter, the second letter, which we, uh, which is on our website at nohonc.org, um, that was written on behalf of the Neighborhood Council. Um, I personally drafted it, but it was written on behalf of the Neighborhood Council and signed by our president. So there's three. That's awesome, and it was unanimous, right? Uh, support was unanimous. Yeah, good. That's that's kind of rare for a Neighborhood Council to fully mm-hmm. agree on a transportation project. And is that going to help? I hope so. You know. Um, I, my sense is, uh, my personal sense is sort of a fatalist is that I think we are going to end up losing, but if we're going to end up losing, I'm going to go down making as much noise as I can about <laughs> this project and making sure that everybody knows that at bare minimum, this neighborhood council and the people in the community around it think it's by, by and large, don't want it. Mm, good for you, man. I'm sorry. Why again are they doing it? Like who's telling well, them? Magnolia, Magnolia is, I think, a four lane coming from Burbank through and when you get to Coenga it narrows it's an old uh, kind of industrial area that's now converting to living quarters for some of it yeah I mean if you look at Magnolia and Burbank it's um it is this configuration it's you know two travel lanes in each direction center turn lane and two lanes of parking so basically a seven lane street and it comes in at Clybourne, and it's actually really wide there. My son used to go to preschool uh, right there at Joyce's Toluca Lake. And the street is exceptionally wide there. And I think the idea was, you know, I have no real insight into this, but it just looks, if I'm looking at it on paper as like sort of a, an engineer trying to plan my routes, it looks like they were trying to figure out how can we create a bypass or a cut through where people can get off at the five and then cut through and connect over to the 170, mm-hmm. you know, and we turn mm-hmm. it into a five lane, you know, we turn it into a seven lane road like that. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, funnels traffic between those two highways. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't know that for sure. It just sort of, that's my brain looking at it on a map thinking, well, that's, that makes sense to me. Um, 
And they're always spending money to get rid of bottlenecks. That it's endless bottlenecks, you know. And they they spend our tax money on it. They could be using that money to just simply fill potholes and resurface what we have, and not expand it and create more liability. But they like to just continue spending the millions and millions of dollars that come into their coffers. Yeah. So I do so, have to I do have to give BOE a little credit though, because. Um, after I raised a ruckus and sent my personal letter to them, uh, we did actually, um, the council member's office did drag them in front of us to do outreach at the neighborhood council. And this was, I believe, in December of 2018. And they heard a, they heard a lot of pushback from us. And to their credit, they did, um, to their credit, they did add two hawk beacons. So right now, if you take that stretch of Magnolia, um, there's, two signalized intersections, obviously, at either end, and then one signalized intersection in the middle at Riverton. And they did agree to, um, in this new report, they did agree to add two Hawk Beacons at uh, Satsuma and Cartwright, if I remember correctly. And, you know, I'm going to give them credit for that. That's great. That's, mm -hmm. you know, it's better yeah, it's than good. nothing. It's, it's not yeah. enough, but, it's, but it's, it's a good start, you know, and I'm glad that they heard that from, the, from us. See, somehow when you get into Burbank, I don't know if it's, the cops or what but when you get into Burbank you s slow down you know there's there's a whole stretch of Magnolia that you just don't drive fast on I don't know exactly why hmm. but um, somehow LA lost that touch well, part of it is that that section of Burbank is so uh, you know Magnolia Park there has so many shops and yeah. you can't drive fast in the right lane because everybody's pulling over to parallel park you know so mm. it slows you down that mm -hmm. way you know, another thing I noticed the last time I was in there, uh, I was doing some Christmas shopping. Uh, they actually have leading pedestrian intervals in that neighborhood now. Oh, really? Which is fantastic. You know, yeah. I pressed the button and I got the walk signal and the lights were still red. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> it's magic. And I've been, you know, I've been encouraging everybody from a council member's office. I'm like, go to the New Deal. It's a good restaurant. You can have lunch there. And then you can see how these things work and how much safer they make you feel when you can get halfway across the intersection before right. before the lights change and people start trying to make left and right turns off yeah. those side streets and trying to whip around and get around you. Do you want to go over the points that you made in the letter? There's, I noticed there's two good and then 12 bad, or no, 13 <laughs> bad, and then one, two, three, four, five about traffic violence. Yeah, those are, those are actually my talking points that I used when I uh, presented this to our full neighborhood council, but I'm happy to, to sort of go through them with you. Yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, okay, so... We lose the trees. We lose 18 existing mature trees. Yes. Does anything need to be said about that? I mean, you know, they, the, the BOE has promised to give us 36 uh, new trees. So two, you know, they're doing two for every one. But again, if you look at how, how those trees end up getting maintained, um, all, it's, all it takes is a couple of years of no rain, and then they're basically sticks. Yeah, and, and traffic engineers don't like trees. Trees create a narrow claustrophobic sort of feeling for car drivers and and uh when car drivers feel claustrophobic they go slower mm. <laughs> that's why narrowing lanes is good that's why street trees are good and in their and we mind, have those and we have those air fresheners that are <laughs> you know you don't need an actual tree and then um okay so oh, let me jump to you. there's so many well, why don't you here yeah, just sure. take your pick? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, again, you know, there's going to be more room for cars. They're going to 
take away eight feet of sidewalk. So the sidewalks on both sides will be seven feet total. That includes room for that's street. That's insane. Um, that's basically if you walk again, if you uh, after this, if we were to go get a drink at St. Anne's in our neighborhood, um, in that section of Magnolia where the where all the restaurants and bars and theaters are, mm-hmm. that's about how wide most of the sidewalks are there right now. So mm-hmm. think about how crowded those sidewalks yeah. get. Yeah. Um, you know, and then if you have tree wells that come out, they can take up half that sidewalk. So are you ADA compliant with a seven foot sidewalk? Yes, absolutely. Technically you are. Um, but what happens with somebody who has say an electric wheelchair, part of their tire goes off into a tree well because they're, they're wider than 36 inches, which is what it has to be. It's just, it's just old thinking. It's old thinking and they're still doing it. It's old car centered thinking what'd you we tell need to get them back your, to pedestrians in your original letter i mean I, I i raised all these issues and about the about the they need to come out of the 1960s you told them that uh i <laughs> I, I didn't say anything uh I, I tend to be a little more uh bureaucratic in my uh i i'm pretty it's sure very nice that. of you in my uh in my nastiness it tends to be very bureaucratic now on a technical level they they have to they're it's it's a mitigated negative declaration document Yes. That the council is going to look at, consider, and maybe pass. Yes. And is there, so, you know, in my experience with Hyperion, that, that was what they were trying to do was a mitigated negative declaration. And we had an opportunity to sue um, so that they would have to do a full EIR. Is there this, like, a, is there an opportunity to? If, you know. if there is, none of us have discussed it. Mm-hmm. I, okay. I, I have not discussed uh, lawsuits with anybody. Yeah. Okay. I wonder if uh, if we could get Bruce Lane involved. <laughs> but you know, again, you know, some of the some of the uses on that street too. There's a uh, there's a senior arts colony on that section of Magnolia Boulevard, and yeah. that's a lot of people again who don't necessarily use cars who walk around that community, maybe walk up to the Ralphs to buy some groceries and bring them back to their apartments. Um, you know, and they did some outreach with them. And again, that community was very, very overwhelmingly opposed to the project. So, you know, if, if there's public controversy over the project, then the mitigated negative declaration has to go to an EIR. As far as I understand, you just have to prove that there's public controversy and uh, it sounds like you guys are are doing that i'm trying (laughs) eir is environmental impact report yeah and that's just they they may do an eir and still steamroll you um but it makes it more of a pain in the ass for them and sometimes that yeah bogs down their schedule and then the project sort of goes away yeah um you know Part of it, part of the push to get the project done is, I believe, there is some money that needs to be used before it uh, goes away. Where does it go? Can we put it back into the not bank? To, not back to us, unfortunately. <laughs> it goes. Uh, but can they put it back in the bank, and we can use it for something? No, I think it's federal money. So I think if they if we don't use it, then it goes back to Washington to some not not nice people. <laughs> but again, you know. Um, I, I, you know, one thing I can't stress enough is in this sort of section of Magnolia Boulevard, there are no bike lanes because the Chandler Bikeway is is just north of it. Mm-hmm. So there's no, I mean, technically you can ride there, but there's there's no bike lane, there's no Shero, there's nothing there. And I'll tell you, I 
I'm not much of a writer. I'm more of a like Metro bike share and Lime scooters writer than I am a, an actual writer. But when I'm on Magnolia using either of those devices, um, well, tech, I won't ride the scooters there because I don't ride on the sidewalks because it's not legal. But uh, I have been on my Metro bike share there and I won't ride on the street. I'll ride on the sidewalk. And again, once you start taking away more space, you're going to have more conflicts between pedestrians and cyclists and scooter ride, scooter riders who do use the sidewalk because again, I don't, you know, you're riding something that can that maxes out at 15 miles an hour while people are whizzing by you doing 40 or 45. Right. So I want to talk about traffic violence, but also it goes against which you said in your letter, uh, Vision Zero, Vision Zero goals, and the Complete Streets Guide. Yeah, which you know, I raised I raised these points in my my initial personal letter, and we raised them again in this letter. Um, it's funny because their response to my personal letter was just that, well, Vision Zero is just a set of guidelines uh, for certain high injury network, uh, high injury corridors, and there's something we can apply. Uh, they made it sound like it was sort of a menu, sort of a buff, something they could say, do we want to make the street comply with Vision Zero goals or not? And I don't, that's never been my understanding of what Vision Zero is supposed to be. And, you know, mm. even if it were, uh, Magnolia Boulevard is actually part of our high injury network. Mm. This stretch of Magnolia Boulevard uh, from the city limits to uh, just by North Hollywood High School is part of the high injury network. And if you look at the street, what you'll notice is that the part of it that's a high part of the high injury network is wide. It's wide. It's maybe, for, you know, it's got this configuration. And then as soon as you get past that section where North Hollywood High School is, it narrows down to one travel lane in each direction, center turn lane and two parking lanes. Shockingly, you find that there's less, uh, you, that, that part's not part of the high injury network. Wait, so it does uh, narrow down to two lanes over by North Hollywood High? Yeah, uh, throughout, most of the, throughout most of the rest of the valley, I believe it stays in that configuration. You know, and there was a high, in, high, high profile incident of uh, traffic violence there. There was a, um, a Holocaust survivor that was actually struck and killed by a van um, right near the corner of Magnolia and Whitsitt, maybe about a year and, and a half I ago. I did hear about that, yeah. You make but, it through the Holocaust? And then you don't make it past uh, across Magnolia. Yeah. But, you know, so again, like, even if we just say that Vision Zero only applies to high injury network corridors, great. This is high injury network corridor. Like, let's use the tools at our disposal to take it out of that, to take it out of that. So they said, so they're doubly wrong. They said, we don't need to uh, apply Vision Zero goals because it's not part of the high injury network, which is wrong. They do still need to apply Vision Zero goals is not just for the high injury network. And number two, it is on the high injury. Right. Do, you, do you get the feeling that all of this stuff is just a bunch of busy work for us so that they don't have to do anything? Like all these different programs and this and that. It's like, can't you guys just make it like safe? What is all this? You There's all these different BS like programs and names and this and that. Well, and you they never vi- seem to do you're anything. You're talking about Vision Zero and Complete Streets Guide? All, all this stuff. I mean, Complete Streets Guide, they should be following that, you know, period. And then they have all these different programs and names. Well, maybe maybe what has to happen is now that you have the Complete Streets Guide, you have to make it, like, have some kind of teeth. Here, I'll, I can I can read you exactly what they said. I have their, their response to my initial comment from my letter of, uh, okay. let's just put the date on it for you. This is my letter that I wrote in September of 2018, uh, right after I found out about the project. And their response is that uh, 
Complete Street Design Guide and Vision Zero programs both provide recommended design concepts which city engineers may incorporate into a project to address specific mobility and safety concerns, as well as design best practices suitable for incorporation into any project. So again, they make it sound like both of those are not, they're not prescriptive, they're... Right. That, and that, that's certainly their That's certainly their position in how they responded to my letter. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, if anyone listening, we do have listeners actually. <laughs> call in 818-985-5903. That's it. That's the, in. that's the call to action right now. Call to action. Somebody out there. <laughs> the action, <laughs> to, action to call. The call, um, to, the call to call. I'm trying to remember all the names of the people at the BOE that, that we were dealing with on Hyperion, but they were just the most dry evil people like just pure evil you know and it's also i think it's also illustrative that when you read both the draft and the final declaration they talk about maximizing um vehicular traffic over and over again they say this is gonna improve vehicular traffic and it's like okay a i i don't agree with that because i i know that induced demand is a real thing right but b even if i do agree with that that still doesn't take into account um you know, the rest of the users of the road. Does the Bureau of Engineers know that induced demand is a thing? Yes, um, Caltrans has officially uh, admitted it, and all those people are, are in the same crew. Caltrans, BOE, they're all working together. They yeah. know. Actually, um, I don't know if you guys know Carter Rubin. He's mm-hmm. at the uh, NRDC. He wrote a letter, uh, again, to the first draft one and brought up the uh, VMT uh, CEQA requirement. Which right. is VMT? Uh, vehicle miles traveled. So he brought up that new requirement and their response was, yeah, that doesn't go into effect until 2020. And uh, this project's, this this study is taking place in 2018. So it doesn't matter. So they're, they're well aware of, they're well yeah. aware of it. So yeah. they're changing what's not VMT? Uh, it's v, v, uh, VMT versus level of service. Yeah, so they used to do level of service and they rate um, streets by A to F. As far as I guess throughput and how fast the cars are moving, and now it's vehicle miles traveled, which I don't totally understand how that's better, but people say it's better. Uh, certainly, certainly, all the environmentalists I know seem to think it, it's if it's not perfect, at least it's better than LOS because mm-hmm. level of service again is just about how many cars are we getting through speed, on, speed wise, mm-hmm. and you know at least this uh, looks at the impact of how many miles cars are traveling. Mm. It's like VMT to me sounds like more like a volumetric. Like they could almost interpret it as like, well, if we're getting more VMT, then that's success. Right? Like if you can stuff 20 cars through at 30 miles an hour, that's better than, I guess, LOS where an A would be like 10 cars going through at high speed. So people can Google that. Yeah. yeah. It's it's a concept I don't fully understand either, but I just know that it's certainly it's now it's certainly now the law and uh it does account for induced demand and their response to somebody raising the, the issue was just that yeah, it doesn't count yet, so we don't need to think about it. Mm. And then their response when I brought up induced demand in my my letter was just basically to say this is a an assertion not supported by any data. Ah, <laughs> my God! They said that the idea of induced demand is yeah. an assertion. <laughs> I, I think that was a, I think that was a little swipe at me, and I'll, I'll you know, I'll take yeah, it. I, wow. I, I wrote a I wrote a caddy letter. I'll take it. 
There is there's an article somewhere. It's on Streets Blog, or maybe it was um, City Lab or something, where it's like Caltrans admits that induced demand is a thing. <laughs> so send them that article back. <laughs> well, all right. So I'd like to hear what else you've, you want to. Yeah, sure. Um, let's see what else. You know, we talked about uh, there was a 2016 UCLA study that specifically shows how traffic, uh, how road diets or traffic safety measures, whatever you want to call them, um, how they are associated with reduction. Oh, in we have a word for it. Street therapy. Street therapy. I'll take it. But they're, uh, you know, they they found that the collisions declined by thirty two percent and traffic injuries designed by declined by thirty six percent. You know, and I sort of said, you know, conversely, if you're if this causes things to decline, what do you think adding more is going to happen? You know, what do you, what do we think is going to happen? Um, you know, we talked about the process issue, and then if I, you if you calm traffic, you get what outcome? Uh, according to this study, um, and it's not available online anymore, but if anybody wants to, yeah, I can send, send it via email to anyone. Um, it was 32% reduction in collisions and 36 per, 36% reduction in traffic injuries. Now, that's that's calming traffic, but that's not necessarily a road diet. Um, I'd, have to, I'd have to look at the exact phrasing in the study, what they use, but... Um, uh, somewhere, somewhere on my laptop, but I don't want to make you guys. Uh, I don't want to make the listeners wait while I go rooting around for it. <laughs> I mean, calming traffic also, like, I I think that um, you don't like that term. I like that term no, because like I drive very calmly now. Like I've totally let go and hypermiling. <laughs> yeah, hypermiling. You know this. I. You know what? When we, well, I shouldn't even talk about this. Yeah, we're gonna digress. But um, calming traffic for me. It because I've set my expectations so low of, you know, traffic and getting there at a certain time. Exact, you know, that's the uh, secret. Yeah, you you become zen. You start timing the lights. Low expectations, and you realize that if you drive faster than the average speed, the average trip speed, you're only shooting yourself in the foot. And the average trip speed is twenty five miles per hour. Probably about 25-ish, 20, 25-ish. Between 20 and 25. Yeah. They never... So, so if you're going 40 miles per hour every chance you get... Right. You are setting yourself up for suffering. Suffering. You fr- you are frustrated. Those giant letters, those giant, giant font, you know, speed limit 45 in a giant sign, it's, th- it's setting you up for frustration because you're going to have to stop at a light and that is a bad experience having to stop at a light like you straight this is straight like street buddhism right now <laughs> <laughs> hey uh, that's another segment street buddhism yeah. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of driving up my uh, my in-laws live up the five and I try to just, you know, find a speed and stay at it and you know, I'm in the left lane in the travel lane because I don't want to be in the lane with the trucks. But then people whip up the side on the right lane to pass, you know, like, you know, here I am doing eighty miles an hour on the five because right. I don't want to get run over. But then people come whipping up the right hand side and then they jam their way in and then it suddenly causes everybody to have to slam on their brakes and then suddenly I'm doing fifty five and then we all pick our speed back up again and it's like if everyone could just put on their cruise control and just accept like and we're all going to go this yes. fast no one you're not going to get there any faster and these new these new i see these um memes or gifs going around that say um 
get to the right. Um, you know, don't be, don't hang out in the, in the fast lane. And it's like the right side is on the five, especially is trucks, crappy pavement from getting beat up by the trucks and they're going 55. So you go in the left lane and you're passing the trucks and your speed differential is maybe, you know, 15 miles per hour or something that's not that bad. And there's somebody behind you that's tailgating you because you're not going fast enough past the trucks, even though you're going the speed limit. That's the thing. And you are supposed to, there is this culture now where you are, and I'm, I'm going to not be angry, but <laughs> you are supposed to pull over to the, I mean, change lanes so that they can go faster than the posted speed limit. Right. And if you don't, you are a scumbag. Yeah. <laughs> I proudly refuse to get into the right lane because <laughs> the more you change lanes the more you get into the truck lane also is the merge lane you know yeah. people are merging and they're getting off and they're shuffling around that's more dangerous you you're changing lanes you're changing your trajectory that puts you in danger i'm not going to do that just because somebody behind me wants to go five miles per hour faster than the speed limit or whatever you, Screw James, James, you had a, something to say about the 85 percentile rule and what. Yeah. Speeding. So, you know, so the sort of the last thing, you know, we're kind of working my way through the presentation I made to the neighborhood council when we approved the, the final letter that we sent. Um, the, the big final push I made when I was discussing this with the neighborhood council was to sort of talk about traffic violence in the city, uh, specifically that we don't have. We still, I still don't think we have a final, final count for how many people were killed on our streets in 2019. Mm -hmm. But as of the time I wrote these talking points, we knew for a fact that at least 236 people had been killed and that 60% of those who were killed were either pedestrians or cyclists, even though they only account for about 1% of reported crashes. Right. Um, we've had a couple of really high profile, uh, you know, traffic fatalities in our neighborhood, um, not directly in our neighborhood, in our service area, but, um, you know, there was a crossing guard who was killed on Van Owen. Uh, there was a sheriff's deputy who was recently killed on Riverside. I know you guys did an episode yeah. about that. Amber. Peace. Now, I have yeah. to say about that sheriff, she, that was a weird one. She just ran out into the traffic. I mean, the traffic shouldn't have been speeding. It was going really fast, but it was just like, What why? makes you say that? I saw the video. She ran into traffic. Yeah, it was a little weird. She kind of tried to time it to run across speeding traffic. That was a little bit weird. But yeah. was she hit by somebody who was going through the intersection or somebody that was I like heard, in the turn? What I heard no, it was, was somebody a, going through the intersection. Gotcha. A car had stopped to let her go past. Is then, it? Oh, really? Yeah. And then, and then another car, seeing a car stopped, made one of those maneuvers where they're like, you know, what go out from behind. Yeah, go out from behind and probably oh. accelerate in, out of anger that you know, this other crazy driver had for some reason stopped. Right, and when that's illegal. So did the guy, did did the driver get a ticket? Probably not. I don't know. I don't know. Do they know? No, they, well, yeah, they don't, don't ever seem to give you tickets even for killing somebody in a crosswalk. But back to you, James. But yeah, yeah so, you sorry. know, those were two pretty high-profile high profile crashes and traffic fatalities that occurred uh, really close to us, and both of them, both of those, act, both of those crashes, excuse me, occurred on streets that have the same configuration where you have seven lanes, two, two, two parking lanes, four travel lanes, and one, turn, one center turn lane. Um, you know, I know where the crossing guard was killed. They put in the uh, first Hawk Beacon for the city. Um, you know, my understanding is that that was going to be put there eventually anyway because it was a, cr a crosswalk by a school. 
Yeah, and the, and the then distance, her death expedited it. There's apartment buildings along Van Nuen there, and the distance between the the lights is something like a mile yeah. from Witset to um, I forget what the street is on the other side, but it's like a mile before you encounter another si- traffic signal, and there's apartments, and it's obvious that the LADOT just doesn't care. You know, like they to let something like that exist in the in the first place. I'll bet you at one point they probably took out a signal somewhere. Yeah, you know, and then uh, you know, one point I try to make to people is that you know we have these numbers for traffic fatalities, but they really understate the cost of traffic violence in the city. Um, you know, the number of people who are injured in traffic crashes. Um, personally, I've witnessed. Uh, the immediate aftermath at the corner of Victory and Radford, which is in our area, our neighborhood council service area, uh, two pedestrians who were hit by a person who was hooking a left trying to beat the light. Um, that's my understanding based on what I was able to put together uh, from talking to people. But they were in the crosswalk. They were crossing with the light. And the person who hit them was coming left off, was coming south on Radford and hooked a left onto Victory to try to get out and hit both of them in the crosswalk and sent both of them to the hospital. Um, I mean, I don't know if you've ever witnessed a traffic crash firsthand, but it was one where their shoes were knocked off. Mm. So they were hit pretty hard. That's mm. that's a telltale sign that they were hit really hard. Mm. You know, in my neighborhood, in my in my neighborhood, we had a cyclist who was hit recently. Um, it was somewhat infuriating because when I tried to talk to the uh, LAPD about it, he gave me this whole thing about like basically blame the kid. It was a child, you know, he was a teenager mm. and he basically blamed the teenager, gave us, gave me this whole thing about like he had just moved here from another state and I don't think he understood our traffic rules and mm. blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and I was like, look, I'm, I'm with the neighborhood council. I want to know what happens so we can think about ways to make it safer for people to ride. And if that was on. Uh, yeah. What if somebody else moves from another state? <laughs> they, they need they'll learn the hard way, apparently. You know, and again, and that's um, Colfax Avenue uh, between Oxnard and Hatteras, which is a connection, which is not part of the bike lane network, but it connects straight into the bike lane network. So, you know, that kid was using the surface streets to connect to our existing bike lane network, such as it is and got hit by a car and got sent to the hospital. I think, you know, uh, I actually texted Sickle Valley that morning and uh, he, he wrote up, I was on my way to take my kids to school, but he, uh, he wrote up and checked out the, uh, the scene of the crash and sort of talked to the kid's mom and talked to some people there. And he said, at least in that instance, the kids seemed to be relatively unscathed for as much as you can be relatively unscathed by being hit by a car when you're on a bike. Mm-hmm. You know, so these, I, I just, it frustrates me that we don't talk about like all of that when we talk about traffic violence. You know, it's it's easy to get it's easy for those things to sort of get disappeared in the conversation, and we don't want to have we don't want to have a Magnolia Boulevard be a street where that starts happening more. You know, mm. and then you know, yeah, we want to talk about the eighty five percent law. You know, or not law. I believe it's actually just a directive, but still, the eighty fifth percentile. You know, we saw um in our community multiple streets have their uh have their uh speed limits raised burbank boulevard now it's 40 miles an hour to drive on burbank boulevard which is you know again absolutely bonkers to think about um i drive that all the time because my wife works down in burbank and i never hit i never hit 40 miles an hour i don't understand how they came out and did this traffic study like i you know 35 still feels 
a little dangerous driving through that stretch with uh with the with the uh, crosswalks there and the number of people connecting to get down to the red line. So because like one of the things we know is that if you're hit at 20 miles per hour, you have an 80 percent percent chance of survival. 90 percent. Well, 90 percent right? chance of survival at 20 miles per hour. Huh. Uh, okay. And then at 40 miles per hour, it's 10 percent chance of survival. Uh, you, yours I is more drastic than mine. I forget the exact numbers, but it, it is a, a substantial change yeah. between. And so, and so what is the argument in reverse? I mean, when somebody says that there's a 10% survival rate at, or 20 is what I heard at 40 versus an 80 or 90% survival rate at 20, what overrides that? Um, you know, again, I think it says it perfectly in the report. It's to maximize the flow of vehicular traffic. This is decades. These are engineers at the Bureau of Engineering. They were educated in the 50s and 60s. Some of these people are older than God. <laughs> They're still, they still have their jobs, you know, and they've been going for 40 years or whatever at their city job or whatever. And hopefully most of them retire soon and we get a new crop of people in there that think about human beings versus car travel because people were really excited about car travel in the 60s and 70s. And that whole crew is still in there in the BOE somewhere. Well, even, I mean, even, uh, even in a even in a car, you know, even if I'm driving and I am involved in a crash at 40 miles an hour versus 20 miles an hour, it's a huge amount of difference in terms of survivability for being inside the car. You know, again, safer streets True. are not just about making the street safer for pedestrians, and they're not about making the streets safer for cyclists. They are, but they're also about making streets safer for drivers. Like I drive with my two kids to school. Um, you know, cause I, because I don't want to walk them through our neighborhood. I don't want to take them through some of these streets partially because I've have almost been killed with my children in my car, driving them to school. You know, mm. I had a, I had a green light. I drove through the green light and somebody blew the red light, leaned on their horn as they went through probably doing about 40 or 50 miles an hour. And if I hadn't slammed on my brakes, they would have T-boned me on my side and my son and my older son's side. And who knows what would have happened from that? Mm. You know, so Did again, it's. It's just for me, for me, it's for me, that's that's like the thing that we that's one of the things we lose uh, is that when we talk about making the street safer, we're not talking about just making it safer for for the pedestrians and the cyclists. We're talking about making it safer for the drivers as well. And people need to understand that and that lower speed limits are going to save your life, even if you're in your, you know, even if you're, you're in your big tank, there's a better chance that you're going to survive a crash than uh then you're going to then if you're going 50 or 60 miles an hour and the more tank like they make cars the less survivable they they are when they crash in for know. everybody else yeah. For, yeah yeah for sure now those uh 5 foot tall pickup trucks are quite something and then you know they, at least in my neighborhood I see so many of them with bull bars too which is just absolutely maddening i saw a a uh, humorous andy singer um comic do you guys follow andy singer i don't he does a lot of um, like commentary on society and especially he focuses on transportation and bike uh, cycling and so forth and there's there's a comic where it shows a car driver with a giant spike going right to his forehead um, and that driver drives safely but what we've done in our society is we've built these cars that have so much safety equipment mm -hmm. baked into them that people start to not care about driving safely because they're not going to die. 
I did see somebody share that today. I don't know. Oh, did you? Yeah, uh-huh. it was so like um, it was like uh, the the cartoon, the version I saw, like it was the driver with a spike pointing out towards pedestrians. And, oh, this is a different one. And it was like the driver had a like mean look on his face, like, yeah, I can do anything I want. And then the second panel, the driver had the spike pointing at him with a pillow in front that was going towards the pedestrians. And then he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, my, I have to be careful. Yeah, that's good. That's a, that's a good illustrative point of where we've we've arrived. Did, did we explain the 85% rule for people who don't know? I mean, we don't want to assume that everybody. The 85th percentile law basically codifies scofflaw driving. It it basically sets the speed limit at the 85th percent. Uh, av- let's see. The 85th so somebody who's driving faster than average. They, they measure the speed of traffic according to their the new um, limit to that person. If, if 85% of traffic is above the speed <coughs> limit, is driving above the posted speed limit, they'll raise the speed limit oh. to match. No, it, it, it works both ways, actually. So the 85th percentile law, what it does is it, um, <coughs> they'll go out and, excuse me, they'll go out and measure traffic. And they'll set the speed limit at what the 85th percentile is for the speed on the road. So when they went through, um, and for people who don't know, uh, during the recession, um, well, let me back. Let me back up one more step. Mm-hmm. You can't enforce speeding tickets in. Um, I don't know if it's state or city, but you can't. I think it's a state. You can't enforce speeding tickets in the state if you don't have a current speed study on the record. And during the Great Recession, uh, one of the things that the city cut was all of its um, all of its uh, what do you call them? Speed traffic t- cops. Speed, yes, not traffic cops. No, they cut their their um, speed studies for hmm. all the roads. Hmm. So cops couldn't enforce speeding they could still obviously enforce you know if they see you with a handheld device or they see you do something you know you know make a right hand turn without turning on your signal that was something that was technically enforceable but they couldn't enforce the speed limit on streets because those speed studies are out of date if you went to court you hire the uh, fix your ticket lawyer the first thing he's going to do is say show me the current speed study and then there goes your ticket so a few years ago we, they um and they, what does a speed study do the speed study studies what the prevailing level of traffic is and determines what the speed limit should be for the road. And they don't average in cyclists. No. It's only cars. Well, it's only also, cars. it's just however, it's like voting. It's like if everybody says we should drive 40, then, or by driving that way, right? they vote with their pedal. Yeah, right. so it's a feedback loop. The cops don't enforce. People drive faster. And then the speed limit creeps up. Yeah. So it's not about safety or livability. No, it's, it's actually... It's about people's behavior and accommodating that. It's actually... It, the My understanding is that the initial purpose of the law was um, to eliminate speed traps. So you'd right. be driving on like a state highway. You know, you'd be driving up 99 before it was turned into a freeway. And you'd go into some small town in the Central Valley and it would suddenly drop from 50 to 25. And right. then there'd be the sheriff of, you know, whatever county you're in. Just be like, hey, surprise! Here's your speeding ticket. So the state <laughs> totally had that happen. So the st- so the state passed this law with good intentions to say we're not going to let people set up speed traps like that, where you're still on something that's designed for you to drive at the speed limit, and then suddenly you find yourself in a you know suddenly you find yourself crossing over an arbitrary line. Uh, in practice, what it's done is like you said, it's encouraged uh, people to vote with their pedals, and it's encouraged, uh, by and large, uh, speed limits to go up. You know, and again, when they did these traffic studies, there were there were actually a few str- there were actually a few streets where speed limits came down. People were driving slower for whatever reason. Maybe the street was ripped up and hadn't been repaired in you know 20 years. I don't know, but there were a few streets where where the speed limits came down by five miles an hour in the valley. Hmm. So, you know, again, it, but 
but it's a it's it's a pernicious law because again it does encourage people to it does encourage the speed limit to go up and when you build you know i think we all know that when you have more space on the road for cars to drive you know one of the things that we've all experienced is you know whether as drivers or whether as cyclists or pedestrians is that more space on the road means cars act more aggressively and more recklessly which is part of why road diets work you know you take uh you know you calm your traffic by taking out lanes and putting in features that protect people and then people can't try to swerve around and try to speed up to get to that light or speed up to beat that light Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so you pointed this out and then they said that uh they said uh yeah what is it uh, in my initial answer? letter, I in my initial letter, I, I I pointed this out, and they said, uh, "Yeah, there's no proof that happens." <laughs> there's such reptiles. Those <laughs> fucking sorry. I'm DOE. really proud of myself. You were doing I, good. I I haven't cursed <laughs> once. I'm, I'm really <laughs> proud of myself. I I have quite a blue streak. As anybody who's uh, there's such lying reptiles at the BOE, like the worst people, and LADOT too. Although they're getting. They're getting better. Yeah, their exact comment was, uh, the city has no plans to increase the speed limit on Magnolia Boulevard, nor is a higher speed limit appropriate for the class of roadway. Uh, that doesn't the answer comment, the question. Yeah, well, the comment's assertion that adding a second through lane um, would lead to substantially higher vehicle speeds is an assumption not supported by available information. Well, then why are they, you know, what's their goal? If their goal is to increase traffic flow. Apparently, everybody's going to continue to obey the, the signs. Uh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially at night, you know, when there's when rush hour isn't happening and they're jammed up. People have a wide open road and they just blast. You know, or alternatively, at you know at uh, rush hour earlier at rush hour when the sun's in your eyes, where you know that's how the the crossing guard at Van Owen totally t- was killed. You know, the the sun was in my eyes. I didn't see her. You that's know? such. That's a how the the young girl in Koreatown was uh, was run down. The sun was in my eyes. I didn't see them. You know, in the valley. Such a BS mm-hmm. excuse, and they accept it. They just accept it. You know, I, I was taught is if the sun gets in your eyes, you have to immediately slow down until you can recover and figure out where you are. Yeah. What is it like? My, the sun hit was in my eyes, so I just kept going. And yeah, I just kept going, and fifty miles an hour, I don't know, the sun was in my eyes. It's 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 an acceptable excuse too. The cops totally accept it. Right. Well, good. Enough. Yeah. Hey, the sun was in his eyes. What are you? <laughs> what are you going to do? Darn it! Darn it's it. just like you know, you can't stop that. Nothing we can do about that. Oh well. Yeah. Anything else? No. Uh, so BOE is actually going to be coming to present at the NoHo Neighborhood Council. Really? On, yeah, they're coming back again. Um, this letter ruffled some feathers, and they're going to come and talk to us. Um, they will be. They're going to assuage your fears. Oh, their feathers were ruffled. <laughs> They'll be at our February ninth, uh, February ninth meeting. So, by all means, if anybody wants to come and and talk to them, and you know, just let them know. What time? Uh, the meetings take place from. Oh my God! I should know this off the top of my head. I always get confused. Uh, the meetings take place at six o'clock at the uh, North Hollywood Recreational uh, Senior Center which is on Tahunga and Chandler, right mm-hmm. across from the fire station. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what time they'll present, but you can uh, obviously go to our website at nohonc.org, and we'll, our, our agenda will be posted there because we are Brown Act compliant, and we do that. Um, you can also contact me. I'm James Askew at nohonc.org, and I'd be happy to connect you and keep you in touch with, uh, keep you up to date with anything that's going on. Put their item 
at the end of the agenda. <laughs> Make them sit around and wait. Hmm. Screw those people. Do you know who's <laughs> I, gonna who's actually gonna present? I don't. I don't know who's gonna be there yet. I have um, an they, inkling they were, to actually show up and just be a jerk. They were initially gonna come to my uh, planning and land use committee meeting, but we were able to move them to the main board, which I think will be a better uh, fit better. for them. It's a larger room. Uh, it's a longer meeting. We have more time for people to talk. And uh, are you promoting this? Uh, I I just did. <laughs> <laughs> we have, you know, we got some listeners. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm good. You know, obviously um, I, I'm going to put it out on my personal Twitter account. I'm actually going to probably walk the street on Magnolia Boulevard to try to let the businesses along the, some of the businesses that I've interfaced with before and let them know this is happening. Um, yeah, that's their, the, the sidewalk going away that cut, you know. I, I mean, even nothing else, even if they want, even if they want the big road, like a year, year and a half of construction, no parking on the street, uh, wow. tra- traffic, traffic throttle down to one lane in each direction, that's also going to impact them as well. Plus, you know, the construction dust and things like that. There's, you know, there's a lot of reasons why they might not want this to happen even beyond everything else. And You know what's interesting about the construction phase is that um, the same thing with Hyperion. We were arguing that we wanted to have a lane reduced on the Hyperion Bridge so we can have buffered bike lanes and ADA-compliant sidewalks on both sides. And um, during construction... What what's interesting, and I think probably the same thing applies here, is they'll make the argument. They'll say, um, you know, during the, our construction is not going to impact significantly the um, the area, you know, as we take the lane down to one in each direction. And it's like, well, if that's not a significant impact, then just make it one lane in each direction. Yeah. What's the big deal? You know, that they were saying that one lane in each direction is going to happen on Hyperion for over a year. And we were arguing that reducing a lane isn't going to have an impact. And that's what they say in their report. Yeah. It, I bet gotcha. you the same thing is going on with Magnolia. Yeah. Well, I think James just gave his info. We know when the meeting is. We have our call to action, which is to show up. And February 9th. February 9th. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's February 10th. Oh. Dang it. I keep doing that. <laughs> I keep doing that. For some reason, I have it in my head that the meeting's gonna, on February 9th. It is. Are you going to make a flyer? Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll make something. I'm glad that we flushed that out. Okay, yeah, no, so that's my bad. That's my bad. Let me double check. February 10th. Let me look on my calendar because I have that on my calendar. And then do you want to go to the crank call segment time? <laughs> oh, we have eight more minutes. I don't want to crank call. I'm not in the mood. I'm oh. talking about BOE. That sounds almost sounds like body odor. Yeah, they are. They're like body odor. That's how bad they are. They lie. They lie so hard. I, I, I'm going to go to this meeting. Good. February 10th, 6 yeah. p.m.? 6.30 p.m. 6.30 p.m. No ho. Now they did it. Across from the fire station to Hunga and Chandler, right yeah. by the orange line, red line. Roadblocks come into the meeting. I don't know. Maybe I will. <laughs> okay. I hate. I, I, can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't. It's so frustrating. Roblox not coming to the meeting. I'm <laughs> going to the meeting. I'm going. Maybe. <laughs> I could ride there on the Orange Line bike path. One yeah. of the few things the city actually got is right. Is it right off the path? It is. Um, we're off, well, it's off where the uh, path ends on the other side of Lancashire, and then you have that little uh, that dog leg that they're talking about closing, which is uh, on eventually on the agenda. They are There are plans to close that uh broke that break between the bike path at Coldwater Canyon and the bike path where it ends at the subway station. Well, what are they going to do? We'll find out. Uh, Protected bike lanes? That's the, 
that's the dream. Huh. The, the dream is that they will put in a protected so bike lane. A big meeting for. Well, this isn't happening lane. at this meeting. This is just oh. something that's in the works. Um, I've talked to some people who, uh, that I met through the San Fernando Council, San Fernando Valley Council of Governments, who um, are working on the project and are looking forward to coming to our meeting to present to us when they are ready to present to us. I hope everybody gets on e-bikes and just causes a whole bunch of mess on the road, cause everybody to slow down. <laughs> that's what I want. I'm vindictive and <laughs> bitter. Okay, so great talking to you. Yeah, James. thanks. Thanks, thanks for James. having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Thanks so much. Glad February tenth. Let's be there. Yes. Right. I need. Right. I need a flyer if okay. it's possible. Thank you. <laughs> we'll, we'll, a paper we'll flyer? No. We'll, we'll come yeah, up with something. I think there should be for the businesses. They should yeah. be able to put up a flyer, but also. Oh right! Yeah, you could do like a. Don't widen. Magnolia campaign. They wouldn't be able to do that. But no, we we couldn't do that. But, but what we could do. Could. Mm-hmm. What we can do is make a flyer saying at our meeting, come speak to the the BOE. We'll be presenting about this project. Please feel free to come join us and you know raise your voice in support or opposition as you see fit. Mm-hmm. Okay. All okay. right. Thanks. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. James. Thanks again. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. All right. That's bike talk. And uh, we're bringing back in the Fugazi. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 